The next speaker is Mitsuko. The title is Speech Contest. Yes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Culture Cafe podcast, the podcast about people living and working in Japan. I'm Joshua. I'm Mitsuko. And we're back with episode 11, wow. Iruhasu Orange. I know, wow, right? Yeah. That was weird. I had to double check. I would make sure. I can't believe we did 10 of these. Yeah. Um, already. 11. Iruhasu Orange. Iruhasu. Iru, uh, did I say Iru? Yeah. Iruhasu Orange. Okay. So, or Ilohas. It's I space. <laughs> Lohas. I Lohas. 555 milliliters of I Lohas. Anyway, we're reading the bottle. We'll have a picture up so you guys can see what we're talking about and joking about. Um, so episode 11, Irohasu, orange. So there's different uh, flavors of Irohasu. There's, it's just uh, water, by the way. It's water. Um, uh, there's the orange flavor and there's the... Regular flavor? There's the regular flavor. What's there's the an apple. One? There's an apple there one. Apple? There's okay. an apple-y one. Yeah. Anyway, Iroha, so today's episode is all about speech contests. So we're going to get into that, what it is, and what's, what is what is that all about. Should we just get into it right away? Sure. Do we have updates? No. no we've been busy. Yeah. Everybody's been busy preparing for things and whatnot. Um, yeah, let's just talk about it. Let's... Koebi's here right now. She's taking a break from chewing up all my cardboard. She really <laughs> helps me destroy it and get rid of it. Oh, she doesn't think my levels are high enough. She's turning me up. Thanks, Koebi. Good call. Do you want to smell the microphone? People could hear you. No, she's not interested in the mic. Well, this is... <laughs> now she's trying to eat the mic. Okay. Um, episode 11. Today we're talking all about speech contests. And... Uh, We've been busy. Everybody's been preparing for their various culture festivals. Bunka size. We're going to have to talk about that next time. There's always a new topic. Everything. So many things going on. But today we're going to talk about speech contests because that was over a couple weeks ago for everybody. We mentioned it last time that we're going to talk about it. And this is this time. And uh, give us the rundown. What is speech contest, Mitsuko, so everybody knows? It's a competition where junior high students, Japanese junior high school students, um usually three at my school anyways, they decide to either write their own speech that they will deliver in English at the competition or they will memorize a story or half of a story from a book, like the, the textbook that they have. And then they, what did I say? They will memorize, so they will recite it at the competition yeah so there's there's two parts to it there's either the recitation or there's the composition like the oratory so the the people that have the recitation part they typically choose something from their textbook or pre-selected readings that they have to pick from at least in our area that's how it went and um then it seems like all the schools in the same area so in Totoriken, there's three regions there's Seibu, which is yours chubu which is mine and the Totori region, which I don't remember what it's called. I really should look that up. And I always forget what it's called. But those are the three regions. And they all seem to share the same sort of pool of readings. They all come from the book too, huh? They do, yeah. But I heard in Totori that they got to pick their own readings. Like somebody did a reading from Harry Potter, I heard. 
like an actual passage. Oh, which, that's weird. Which is cool. Which is cool. But, oh man, so we have so many things to talk about. We'll try to get through them real quick. So the idea is, yeah, so it's a competition for people to speak English. Um, and therein lies, I think, the first problem that I have with it is it's not so much about speaking English as it is like a... A, a recitation contest, but yeah. but then the the way that they score it and the way that they grade it is based on so many, I think, odd things. Like they have a very uh, well, they have for scores they have uh, like pronunciation, obviously, and then they have I think the like the volume of the speaker, and then they have something called like gesture, like Hyogen, which is which is like performance. Um, but they they think it literally means gestures. Um, uh, and this is this is one of the problems that I have is that a lot of times um, there are some kids. First of all, any any student, um, I love all my my kids. All the all the kids I had that went up, they are so awesome, and I've written about it, and I've I don't know where I've in my journal, online, in my blogs, and I've I've talked to all kinds of people about it. How much. I love these kids and how I'm so proud of all the work they did. We didn't win just to spoil it for everybody. We didn't either. Um, uh, but I couldn't have been happier with how well they did. And every kid, for that matter, that got up on stage was so brave to do something that is um, culturally very, very, um, a very sensitive and uh, a delicate issue to speak English in front of a large group of people, um, which is um, which is not... Um, uh, like a, a stereotype to say this is this is something that's a very a real fear that's been you know it's uh it's almost like a clinical diagnosis like english phobia there's a word for it isn't yeah. there where um there's this fear of english because um japan has historically had a had difficulty with learning it um for whatever reasons we're not here to talk about that but uh there's a very real fear of it and it's something that you definitely experience um, if you're in a position such as ours where you're in a classroom and teaching kids or where your everyday encounter is with people that do know a little bit of English, but they will always refuse to use it. Um, and uh, like one day you'll have known someone for like a year or two years and then they just all of a sudden will use some English and like, what? It's like, you do speak English. And they're like, no, I don't. I'm like, yes, you do. No, I don't. Anyway. Um, that kind of stuff happens. So for everybody that got up there, all the students, it was, it was a br- very awesome um, thing to do it was very brave, and um, they should all be very proud of themselves. They should, yeah, they should be very proud of themselves for for just getting up there and doing it. That's something that no matter who you are, to be able to to get up there, put yourself before a panel of judges and do something, anything, you know, is is commendable. Yeah. Um, but one of the problems that I have is that there's, I think there's a lot of misconceptions, or at least. From what we feel is good, are good speeches as compared to what they're being told uh, good speeches are. One of the things that happens a lot is this overacting. I wouldn't even call it overacting so much as just acting. People deliver a speech. There were, there were many times when I felt there were people that were acting like they were giving a speech rather than having a, a natural rhythm to their emotions. Not, not their speech pattern because obviously that's... They're learning English. These guys are, you know, English learners, and they're, they've only been learning for a few years. 
So that's, of course, I'm not expecting anybody to be perfect and fluent at all. And I think we should have factor that in to when, when these kids speak, because they seem to, they seem to give them a hard time about pronunciation. And, you know, it's like, you they know, these, these guys are learning English for the first time and you don't speak English, like <laughs> panel of people over here. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of unfair to, to point at them and say that I think that's not very nice to the children but definitely there's just this wild dramatic theatrical quality that goes into some of the speeches and I don't know or the, the recitations I should say when they're um, retelling uh, stories and uh, I, I don't fancy those I don't like them very much I think they make it well more, it's um, also because they cut it off in the middle of the story so it's like and then they died the end. And you're like, what? Well, sometimes there was that one, right? Remember where it was the, there was the Hiroshima bomb story. Right. And uh, the, the story involved the mother looking around for her children and right. a child crying for mom. And that story seemed to always have the most dramatic telling. Like, I kind of, and I don't, I just, I don't know. I didn't appreciate it and I didn't like it. And I don't know. That's kind of my opinion. I don't know how many people did like it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, what well, I don't like. We've already talked about it. Well, okay. So I think what I'm about to say is what you're getting at. Okay. So at the end, they always talk about how like people should, you should smile yes. and be happy when you deliver yes. it. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's. You can't w- smile in that story. It's like, and then they dropped the bomb. Yay. Yeah, no. But like like we were talking about earlier with the theatrical gestures and things like that. I I don't know who's telling them necessarily to do that because I I wouldn't The judges are. Yeah, and that's that's kind of um Like the judge that I had at my competition said you have to learn how to pronounce English correctly and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Like you have to learn how to how to have a rhythm to the way you talk. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah." He's like, "For example, you don't say, "Please come over here." You go, please come over here. Or this is a pen. You go, this is a pen. And I was like, what? The? No, that's not how we talk. No, th- you had one that was even worse when the guy said something. He was like, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I was like, no. Um, but w- one thing that I didn't like after my speech contest was over was there, there was a guy that put in a tape. Or I'm sorry, it wasn't a tape. It was a CD. He put a CD into the CD player, and it was it was playing over the speakers for everybody to hear. And it was actually it was a computerized voice that was pronounced that was reading. Mm-hmm. Thank the, you for coming to the speech competition. Um, like I that? yeah, it was it was almost that bad. It was, but I'm I mean, just imagining it, Siri. We should get Siri on here. Yeah, can Siri read your texts back to us? Just type just type one of the stories that they had to read. But anyway. So it was a CD that had a, I don't know what computer software that it was, but he was he was promoting this piece of software. Siri not available. Connect to the internet. It was on the CD. It was one of the readings from the the speech contest, one of the ones that the kids did. I think and it was the major. It was read the it? it was the major leaguer one. Yeah. So the, it was and it was the whatever software he had that they probably typed it in, punched it in. It was like you know the text to voice software. Yeah. And the computer was reading it back, and he was like, "There's software like this computer program that could you know read stuff for you, and and you could practice from this." And I was I remember sitting there looking around, thinking like, "No, let's not use this because <laughs> that sounds very much like a computer reading this and not." natural you know what that makes me think of that makes me think of that one guy who gave a speech at um i think it was stc who said that he listened to a radio yeah 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 yeah. that guy that won like second place in the yeah and he was like look i can i can like recite it and he's like well three 
two, one, left off. We have left off. And I'm like, he did speak English very well. He did know, but he was saying like, that's a way you could learn to speak English. Is but to... that's better because that's actually a disc jockey. That's a person's voice. This was a computer program yeah, replicating. If I want to learn Japanese, I'm not going to sit around and listen to people give Japanese speeches and then memorize it. But and see, that's what a, but that's what a lot of people do though. A lot of a lot of people for better or worse, get into Japanese primarily through anime, young people, and they learn how to say all kinds of stuff and they talk like their favorite anime characters, which is why, like, everybody but me seems to know so much Japanese slang <laughs> and, yeah. they, and they talk in anime expressions that I don't understand because yeah. I learned Japanese very formally yeah. in a classroom setting. So I not that I'm better or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not that good at Japanese, but... In fact, I'm worse because I don't understand a lot of the the slangy modern hip phrases that everybody knows. I only I only know you know like a like a basic standard Tokyo <laughs> Japanese. Yeah. And Koebi's having a ball with my hand over here. But I I didn't like that CD thing and that recommendation, especially since right before that we had one of the judges uh, recommend that you know that the students practice with their ALTs, which is of course what, yeah. what all of what all of them were doing. Which I mean, you know, it's just you know, it's a thing to say. Yeah, it's true, very true. Yes, say that because that's obviously what you should do. But then to have that followed by the guy with the the CD and the computer voice. But another uh, thing is like this whole competition. The point is for the students to write an English speech and then to recite that speech at the competition. And then you grade how well they performed and how well you know whatever their English sounded and blah. But I think they're kind of fooling themselves in the sense that these junior high kids, like 99% of them, can't write these speeches they deliver. Like the ones who actually write speeches, not the ones who just memorize stories. Okay, so we're going to the composition part. Yeah, like I think that's a major flaw in this competition. It's like, look at these junior high kids. They wrote these speeches and then they can like speak it in English. And it's like, or say it in English. And I'm like, no, they can't. They can barely write, my name is Jeff. Um, and that's one thing that kind of, uh, yeah, the one thing that frustrated me a little bit is uh, when I read, read through the speech, judges' comments, both last year and this year, uh, one of the things that was really kind of upsetting, at least for the composition part, was that content was actually given a score. And they didn't define exactly what content means or what content meant as far as their judgment went. But I had some essays... Because we all get a copy of the essays when we're sitting there at the speech contest. We get a big packet and we have a copy of everybody's uh, typed speech so we could look at it while we're, while we're uh, listening to them talk or recite it. And uh, there were a lot of speeches that had grammatical errors yeah. and things like that. And, um, and I'm, not, I'm not knocking anybody at all. Of course, that's going to happen. That's acceptable. That's fine. But if content is one of the criteria for judgment then any essay with even one grammatical error yeah. can't be accepted as being as being a winner because the winner of this competition will go to Tokyo. And I can't imagine that we would send someone to Tokyo with grammatical errors in their composition if you had kids that did not have grammatical errors. Yeah. Even if they spoke better, You, I don't think... As for, if it is a composition, it, that's the problem. The fact that composition is one of the, one of the scores, when you divide pronunciation and performance into two separate categories... You've, you've split that part of the writing. It does not weigh as much as the entire... There's an entire category dedicated to points of how well this speech is written. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, that seems to have more weight now. You know, there were some that weren't... I don't think were written very well, which is... Which, again, is not their fault. And I'm not being... 
I'm not knocking the students for not having written it well because they, uh, I believe all of them have uh, an ALT that they work with who does check it or, I mean, in, in some cases, they're, they're perhaps not asked to work on it uh, with their JT. Their JT will work on it. And then, you know, some, some mistakes get through or some slightly odd sentences or grammatically, you know, wonky stuff will, will sneak its way in. And um, th- that's fine, but if we're, go- if we're going to be giving that much uh, weight to content, I don't know if it's acceptable to let stuff that has, you know, mistakes in it go through. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, and so the, the larger issue, though, uh, right here is how this whole thing is judged because it's very difficult to understand how much they're, they're what they're giving precedent to and what they're looking for. It's, I mean, it depends on the on the, the judges because uh, for the for the recitation, so not the ones that the kids write themselves, for the recitation there are two uh, native English speaking judges and then I believe there was uh, two Japanese judges, at least for ours. Yeah, um, same. I think one of them was a teacher uh, and one is not. Um I don't know what the other one was if it, that that person wasn't the teacher. And then they switch for the one that was composed by the students themselves, quote unquote, because we obviously we help them write it quite a bit. So it sounds nice, even though we're told not to do that. And one of the comments that the judges gave last year, which was very frustrating, was that the essay seemed too well written, like it was clearly assisted by the ALT. And I was thinking kind of like, did you expect that any of these speeches were written entirely by the students? Because no. that's that's not true. Yeah. Almost none of it was written by the students. An outline was written by the students. That In would, Japanese. That would be like my little nephew building a house out of Lego and then an architect taking that design making a real house out of it and then saying Rocco built that house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's there's a difference. And I don't mean to belittle with the Lego analysis with the Japanese students. I mean, they for their level, they're, they're amazing and they do really, really well. But that is their level right there as beginners. Yes. That's that's all I'm saying. That's they're junior high that. students. They can't write these kinds of speeches that these people are presenting at the competition. The most they could do is, I like dogs. I like dogs because they are cute. I have a dog. So, I like dogs. And it'd be like, yeah, woo! But they they give speeches on very, very deep and difficult topics. Like, my kid talked about peace and, you, you know, like, get uh, living together with other people. And what did he talk about? Harmony. That's what it was. Harmony. Living, living in harmony with everyone and how that, you know, the, he experiences that through his club he's in band and he experiences having or he he knows about having to work in harmony with everyone in order to produce good music and then we should look at that when we deal with cultural relationships and blah 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 blah. and i'm like dude you don't even know the word harmony let alone cultural or relationships really and i'm like he can't you know they can't be writing these kinds of speeches and be taken seriously at this kind of competition or they at least can't be expected to write them on their own. Or it shouldn't and... even be like a content-based section in the competition because these kids can't write that kind of content that they're looking for. They should just be given content that they get to memorize and recite. Yeah. The ones who write their own speeches, even if it is, you know, quote, 
end quote low level like i like dogs i like dogs because they're cute at least they wrote it themselves and they can say them i don't know that's my opinion we had a girl who she lived in america for two years so she of course was like fluent in english and naturally she won she got first place and i'm like you shouldn't even be in this competition like congratulations for winning very proud of you yay but you should have your own competition people who have had experience living in a foreign country aka america or england or something and have picked up that language and can kind of speak it fluently you can't enter in with a bunch of kids who don't get that chance to have that experience. I, it was it was a total ringer. I, I felt so bad for you when you told me that. Once once I heard her, I was like, nope, we lost. <laughs> I'm like, we're done. Well, that's Maybe it. we can get second or third. Let's pack it up, boys. Everybody did a good job. I'm really proud of you. There's yeah. ice cream on the way home. Yeah, which we didn't even do that. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Those are a few of the things that... I think that we found a little bit frustrating about the competition. And it really, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like a real sour grape story. There are so many good things about the competition that uh, that we like. And right before we flip it around onto the good things, I think we're going to bust up. I'm thirsty. I'm th- curious as to what kind of good things there are. So, okay. Oh, no, there's a lot of great things. I'm opening my Udohasa. Me too. The reason we picked this is because Coca-Cola sponsored the event. Um, and Coca-Cola is actually the company that bottles... Iruhasu, even though yeah, see it says right there the Coca Cola company. Yeah. So this is this is a, a a product made by the Coca Cola company specifically for Japan, and uh, it's just made by like the a cola. Fl- flavored water. It's pretty nice, and all the students get one. That the ALTs were supposed to not get not orange. One, they just got regular. But they didn't hand it. They didn't give me one. So really? I was really thirsty all day. We got one. We had extras. My kids took home three bottles, three little half size bottles, but they took home three bottles. So you have nothing. That you can think that was good about it? Other than bonding with my kids? No. There you go. That's it. But the, I'm talking about for the kids, like a good thing for the kids' sake. There's nothing like, okay, you get to practice English and, you know, good job. But do they actually utilize that in their classes or, you know, from here on out? Not so much, really. Like, I haven't seen them drastically improve or anything. <clears throat> my one kid has always been silly and likes to spout out English when he can, and he's still doing it. But... I can't think of anything, any benefit towards them other than like having the courage to stand up there and speak in another language in front of everyone. Yes, but as for their English ability, I don't think it helps very much. Um, Well, see, and that just comes back to, you know, working it into the classroom. But as a thing to do in their life, I think it's very beneficial for them to, to realize that, hey, you know, you work hard, you fight hard, you do something, you put, you give it your all, you win or lose. That you participated but at all is the important thing. Um, yeah, but I wish they would do something for the kids. It's like, good job, you participated, all done. And I'm like, no, I want to take them out for ice cream or dinner or something. See, but, be like, see, good job, kids. But that, but that's on you. You just have to be the person that does, you know, the person that does that for them. Or, you know, just give them a letter. Like, I wrote a letter for my kids and I stuff. I'd love to do that, but I wasn't ever given the opportunity to. I tried to take my kids out for lunch one day, and then I didn't get to because oh yeah yeah anyway (laughs) um now i remember that but um well okay so for for me we had a really good time and there was one girl in particular she was the most shy girl probably in the entire school um she's she was really talented though really close and i found out later that she was really really close to winning just like a couple percent points off placing Mm -hmm. which 
kind of actually made me feel worse. Now that I know it was that, that was just as whatever. I mean, that that's being a little bit, you know, disappointed and frustrated with it. Only because I, I thought she did so well and I wanted her to win so bad because it would have been so good for her confidence and stuff like that. And she'd worked so hard. So it was not her fault or, you know, anybody else's fault or anybody else's doing. It was just it was just me being just really bummed out because I I really cared so much about them and yeah. um I still do, but I was just had so much. It was like being a parent. That's and that's one of the things I think that this made me feel like the most was, you know, how much it it means to you to see um your kids in a way because we the relationship we have with them starts to become like, you know, very parental. Yeah. Um and how much you want to see them do well. And how much, no, like everybody, when we were at the competition, the one thing was like, everybody's like, oh, my kid's got this. Like, kid's the best. Oh, he's so good and stuff like that. And yeah, everybody gets up there. You know, they have their own, their various levels of skill. Some people are really good. Some people, you know, they uh, aren't as talented as others in certain areas. Everybody, you know, has their, their strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, but the one thing that was very consistent, the, the, the one variable that was always constant was the undying faith of the ALTs and all their students. Everybody believed that their student was the best. And that's that's amazing. And that's the best, you know. That is so cool. Because everybody feels that same thing that I felt, that you yeah. felt, is that being around these kids and being around someone that you care so much about, that you're working so hard with, we we think that, you know, like, you guys are awesome. You guys are going to do anything. And they need that supportive person. You know, that, that's important. You need the humility of going to, and this is not a negative thing, but the humility of going to somewhere and realizing that there is more you can do and you can do better. Mistakes and losses and things like that, those are the most valuable lessons you learn in life, right? Because you don't learn anything by always being right all the time or always winning uh, because you always think everything you're doing is right. Uh, and most of the time, most of the things we do in our life are not right. That's why when we're young, we make lots of mistakes. And as we're older, hopefully we learn from those and become better at what we do. You also need that person to push you, to make you, give you the confidence to go and do something, you know, to do something scary, to do something that maybe is a little bit over you or, you know, you, to push you into to a direction. Yeah. And um, And that's, to me, that's the most fun. That's the best part about being in our position and working with these kids because I got to have so much fun with them and it i mean it was so much work that we put into it you know uh, the amount of hours you know that we had to stay over and just you know work with them and saying the same sentences over mm -hmm. and over yeah. again and i mean ev everybody out there who's worked with the kid on this knows like there's just that one word that like after a while you're like you know what good enough we're not gonna try yeah. we're not gonna work on this word anymore because yeah. we've been doing it for six weeks and it's not different that's fine. Let's make everything else sound better. We'll, we're going to circle back to that one, though, mister. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what <laughs> you, you mean. You have, we have those kinds of experiences. But, um, you know, there's the, the amount of time you get to spend with the kids, the bonding that you get to do. And I think, I think the kids feel good about themselves, whether they win or lose. Um, they feel good that they competed in this, you know, because it's, it's a special thing. To, to be a part of. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something that's exciting to do, no matter who you are. I'm, I mean, and, right? That's that's what happened for you. Yeah, right? I think so, yeah. After, after my competition was over, um, I had got a letter from one of my students 
one of the speech contest girls. She had mentioned that she was, uh, we, you know, I, we tried our best, but we couldn't win. But it was still fun. Like, and I want to try English really hard from now on. Like, let's talk English more. And it was just, and it was right in the, the, the center of like this bummer hurricane that was sweeping over yeah. me. And it was just the, like the, the sun that came out and just cleared it all away. It was, it was the best thing to know that, that she was okay, that they were okay, that they were more invigorated to practice English and learn English by it, right? So it, not winning was maybe better for them in a strange way, right? Obviously, winning would have been pretty awesome, of course. That probably would have made them feel even more confident. But um, it, was, uh, it, it worked out very well. And, um, I, you know, it's, the contest itself is, I think everybody could tell, by this point in the podcast that I'm not a fan of it because I I don't agree with a lot of the ways that it's run or the ways that it's judged and the criteria for it. Um, I think there's a lot of it that's strange. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. It's a very odd thing, but the, the effort and the time that Lee goes into it, I think is the most fun because you get to have this small group of kids that you work with and that, you spend more time with than anybody else that you're ever going to spend time with out of the entire school because you, you put all this extra work in with just them. You yeah. know, there's sometimes where you just spend a whole day, you know, an hour or two hours just with them. And, you know, for once in a while you, you get tired of practicing. So you take like a 10 minute break and you get to goof off and, you know, and the kids get to relax and they're, they're, they're worked so hard and they're wound up, you know, and it's like, one of my jobs was to make sure, like, every once in a while they knew that, hey, you know, we're just having fun. Like, we're going to get out there, you know, and we're just going to we're gonna have a good time, right? And I, I wanted that to be the one thing that they knew more than anything else is that I'm very proud of them already, you know, before the competition. And when we get up there, don't worry about what anybody's thinking. Don't worry about winning or losing. We just remember everything that we practiced. And get up there and do the best that you can and you will feel you'll feel good about yourself. You know, and that's all that's all we're looking for is to have fun and to have the knowledge that you're up there competing with all these people for in, in something that's really, really amazing and a revered thing, you know, like speech contest in English, you know. How cool is that? When you grow up you'll be able to tell people that you did that. Even Mayumi, our friend. She remembers her. She was in the speech contest, and she even remembers the speech that she gave. That she like recited it for us when we were having dinner with her that one time. Yeah. After we were talking, about, I mean, it, it leaves a mark. This this is like an asteroid of English that's gonna leave a crater on their moon brain, you know. Yeah. And they're they're gonna remember it, and uh, I think that's the important thing. It's it's just it should be a fun thing, and I think for the most part it was. At least for my kids, that's the impression that I got, that they seem to at least have a good time. I mean, what, like, you could you could tell me real quick about, you know, your practice sessions. What about them? <laughs> we, they were very short every day, and we just, it was like for 30 minutes a day almost, or 10, 15 minutes. And I practiced every day before school, at lunch, and after school for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, we did that too. It was before school. The Kyushoku break, or QK, not the Kyushoku break, but after Kyushoku, the QK, and then after school. Yeah, it was 
it's pretty much every day. And then some Saturdays, too, I came in. A couple of Saturdays, actually. Came in in the morning to do it. But, I mean, like, but that that was kind of the, the most fun part. More fun than the speech contest, I would say, was practicing for it, right? It's a speech contest. We, you seem to you seem to be very frustrated with it. I didn't find any of it fun. <laughs> Not no. Nope. No. Well, this is a good. That's fine. That's an opinion to have. It wasn't fun because it was very quick, and I didn't get to just hang out with my kids like you did. Oh, we just okay. practiced, and then we were done. I didn't get to hang out with my kids much, so it wasn't. I mean, the pra- I think the practice was good. I don't think you should force them to sit there for two hours and try to memorize. Like they get burnt out after a while. Well, see, that's why we took. That's why I took a lot of breaks with my kids. Not a lot. I, we practiced. Well, yeah, very but hard. they still get very tired and they get bored and they want to go home and do other things after two hours. Yeah. So I think the strategy of just practicing for ten minutes, you know, even a day or ten minutes during lunch, then after school is enough for them to. There was only one day where my kid had to stay after school for an hour because he didn't memorize the last two paragraphs of his speech. And so the teacher was like, you got to memorize it today. Like, you can't go home until you got it done. And he memorized it. And we were like, oh, thank God. But because we had like five days left until the competition and he wasn't done yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump real quick if I can. I had a conversation quite recently with a good friend of mine, Brianna. She lives a little bit further up north, and uh, I had a conversation with her about her speech contest, and she had nothing but really positive things to say. And actually, Whoops. hers is a no, 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 no. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's um, you know, it's, it's different strokes for different yeah. folks. That's all this is. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's that that's that ugly saying that I'm not going to repeat about Jet. How what happens for me is not going to be what happens for you, is not going to be what happened to Brianna. True. And it really wasn't because Brianna had an amazing time, and uh. It was actually very different the way hers was run. So I think let's let's cut to that right now and uh, let's see what hers was like. Okay. So today I'm sat with a, a very near and dear friend of mine. We became best friends the day we met in Los <laughs> Angeles after we uh, both found out that we were coming onto the JET program. We were disheartened to learn that we were many hours apart by flights and boats and trains and everything else that gets you from here to there. She hails from Akita, and her name is Brianna Ham. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Brianna. Thank you. Thank you. Would you like to tell everybody out there about yourself just a little bit? You know, your address, phone number. I live in Akita right now. Uh, My city is Yuri Honjo, although I'm actually in a small separate portion of Yuri Hanjo called Iwaki. And um, I'm actually pretty far from Yuri Hanjo p- proper, so it's almost like I live in my own little island. But I come from Los Angeles in California. You and I, Josh, both met at the uh, Los Angeles gatherings for JET, which now seems like ages ago. It does seem we were we were so young and innocent then. <laughs> um, we were we were just two silly kids, just didn't know what we were in store for. Now the first time we met was there was two meetings in Los Angeles, and the first one, the first time we met was I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like an information session, and then there was the pre-departure one. Yeah. And I remember we met while we were sat in the theater, that auditorium, and they were telling us about. Yeah whatnot yeah that day you were wearing I, your purple shirt i was probably wearing the 
No, I wore the purple shirt to the pre-departure. Oh, okay. oh, maybe I wore the purple shirt. I'm fond of that purple shirt. <laughs> I, I don't get many chances to wear it. Um, we wondered how we had never met each other before. Two people being uh, from around the Los Angeles area, interested in Japanese. I mean, there's that's not like a a, a very niche thing, uh, <laughs> in, at least in Southern California. But it was it was strange that we had never like run into similar circles, or it was just exciting to know that you were there close. And if like we blew ourselves up and we had to go back home, it's like hey, at least we could <laughs> hang out again. It was nice. Nice meeting somebody that was from my neck of the woods. I knew I was going to be going, and then we we had similar experiences coming. So it would be it would be nice to have a friend to talk to, you know, <laughs> being that we both came from similar backgrounds, we would be able to understand each other. And um, no, that was that was a lot of fun. And then uh, then we got to hang out in Tokyo for a little bit too. It was a lot of fun. And then it was so upsetting because everybody just scattered i think Teresa and morgan are very close together but um the most of us went very separate ways and uh it was, it was a little bit difficult to stay in contact with everybody because your first two months are just are just a nightmare everything uh three months goes by and it feels like two days but um yeah it was exciting and i'm so glad to finally have you on i know we've we're 10 we're 10 episodes deep and i haven't had you on yet and i kept saying I'm going to have you on and you kept telling me you had fun stories, but this is it. We're doing it this time. <laughs> now, you told me, yeah, that you had a really exciting story about the speech contest. Well, I don't know if it's exciting because especially now that you've built it up so much, I'm like, oh, no, I don't think I can, well, de I can deliver. <laughs> no, no, no. What, but, well, okay, but no, you, you will deliver because here's the thing is that it's a personal story and that makes it a great one. And I mean, that's, that's what we're looking for here. But when did you start practicing? We'll start with that. How long were you practicing with your kids? Well, I, of course, would have been practicing longer. And I have a, I have a couple of JTEs. And for like two months beforehand, I started asking the uh, more senior JT, I was like, oh, yeah, so, you know, the speech contest is coming up, right? Would you like to start to pick out people? And the JT would be like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. And it took him about a month to remember to ask. And um, and even then, um, my, my area, the students, because it's a really rural community, a lot of them aren't super into English because they don't foresee themselves using it very often. Um, you know, not like people don't really make it out of town that often when they grow up, they don't usually go to like, say Tokyo or somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, and so. that's, that, that's one of the things that really, um, I think upset me was the people that introduced things at our contest, none of them spoke English. And in fact, there were a lot of people that when they, when they <laughs> introduced themselves, they opened with, I can't speak English. <laughs> And I thought to and I thought to myself, like, what a thing to say at the competition where the kids are proving how hard they've been working at English. Because you're a successful guy, you represent the panel of successful people that have donated these trophies. So what does that say to the kids? It tells them that you don't need to be uh, a good English speaker to still be successful. I mean, I think it puts out a lot of bad um, bad associations when you do that. And um, no, but I'm it definitely I, I mean, I see that happen in my town. When you, when you think about it, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. The teachers that are not English teachers don't speak English. And 
it's it's really really um it goes back to that old argument when we were kids in America why do i have to learn algebra when am i going to use it and every reasonable parent knows the answer is well really never um <laughs> depending on what your field is so you have to make up some excuse about why it's good for their brain you know like carrots But unlike but algebra and stuff like that, I think that languages are so much more, that they have the ability to be much more beneficial in a wider sense. Like, sure, if you're going to be, They do, yeah. I mean, especially with Japanese, considering how much English is within their own language, you would think it would, that they would be interested in knowing, like, oh, this is where this word comes from. I mean, there's definitely full-grown adults who, I say a word, I mean, I'd be like, oh, I know what that word is. They're like, oh, really? You do? And I go, yeah, it's English. They're like, It's an oh, English that's word. an English word? Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, you've, you've, you've heard, I think, I believe the, the phrase is waseigo, like the Japanese English that's been appropriated in actually into the language, it's been incorporated Yeah. into the language. And they have so much of that. And my, actually, myself and, and Mitsuko, we were worrying one day that maybe 50 years from now, that there will be so much English and Japanese that it, it will be what we've learned won't be applicable anymore and people will just be using kind of like this fudged in between version and we didn't really we didn't really like that idea i mean it's it's weird how it works though because you've got the kids that seem to like it and so many people love it and they they want to put it on things but nobody really wants to learn it so much it's like they like the idea of it more than they like it um it's a it's a weird divide The the thing that the thing that I think we were not upset about um, and more I not worried about but the thing that we that we thought was strange was that there were so many um, new expressions in Japanese that used English words that no longer have a strong connection to the original English word. Like they'll make expressions using English words that aren't things that we would actually say. in america Oh, yeah, or yeah. in english Yeah, no, I... and, and so that's that's the thing that's weird for us because it's going to be it'll be this weird middle ground and and um i mean I'll, I'm, obviously it'll sort itself out because the people at the time the contemporaries will know exactly what it means and we'll just be these old farts who you know we already hate everything already so it doesn't matter but I really actually, for me, those instances are what I personally really enjoy about a language because it shows how fluid language can be, especially when you take something from that you like from another source and then you kind of reappropriate it for your own uses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, it, literally, it's always growing. It's never done. A language is never done. You, you couldn't possibly know everything about a language because there's what came before the time that you're studying it, and there will be the language after you, you think you are finished. So it's always changing. That's one of the challenges, but I think it's what keeps it so fun as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So about a month <laughs> before the contest you were practicing? yeah, we started basically right before summer vacation. And um, so that gave us, I don't know, I guess three weeks about, almost four weeks. I had gone back to America at the end of July. I mean, at the beginning of July. Um, so I came in um, right before they went out to summer vacation. So... 
yeah, probably about three and a half to four weeks. Um, okay. But it took a while trying to find volunteers. Um, finally, after like two weeks of waiting, one girl was like, oh, I'll, I'll volunteer. So that was really good. And then we were trying to find someone for the recitation portion. And um, I know there was this one kid, and he was really charismatic, and he always likes to speak English, but he hadn't spoken up, and so I thought, like, oh, maybe he doesn't want to do it because he hasn't said anything. And the JT said that he was kind of really wishy-washy about it, like he didn't know if he wanted to do it or not. Um, this kid was also in the baseball club or baseball team, so uh, I thought maybe he was busy. I don't know. So then we actually asked another student first who was also on the baseball team, but he had great – this other kid had great pronunciation so we asked him, and he thought about it, but then he backed out. And then, but doing so made that charismatic kid say, like, okay, okay, I'll do it, which worked out how I was hoping it would work out, where if he was forced with the decision about, do I need to do, do I want to do this or not, that he would finally decide. So he did. And um, so we had a girl and a boy. We had two kids. Yeah, we have one. Every school has a um, one kid for the recit recitation where you just memorize a speech that's already written, and then you have the other yeah. kid for the um, composition. Yeah, they write their own speech okay. and memorize that. Yeah, that's interesting. Though. There's so many differences already from the way that you guys had your speech contest and the way we had ours. First, your kids weren't forced to do it, um, <laughs> at least not to not to the same degree that mine were. Uh, well, we didn't have volunteers. We had people that were picked well in advance and that were told that they were going to do it. We had sort of a tryout thing for the first time, and I had to, to listen to them and, and pick some. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the kids that I had to turn down were very, very good, but the kids that I did pick knew me very well, and they liked me a lot, and I was banking on the fact that they they did like me and they did like to work with me that they right. would be able to work harder and they would be more interested in doing it. And, uh, it, it did work out that way. And we, we had the best time and, uh, when, I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk about that a little later, but yeah, it was interesting that we, so we had four kids, we had three kids doing recitations and then we had one, uh, student, doing the um the oral that is the, crazy the composition yeah in every single school in our in our region all of totori every school had four kids three for the reading and then one for the composition so then how many kids total were at the uh at your competition um i can well let me let me pull up the old documents right here <laughs> all right English recitation contest and the English speech contest for the Chubu district. I'm going to read it in Japanese too, but no. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, September 30th. Let's see. So this is the second year recitation. There were 16 students. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 of them were females leaving three to be males. At the third year recitation, there were 16 students again with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 females, leaving two males into that. And for the speech, there were 17 students. And this was fairly, I think it was a little more fair, 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. No, still 13 out of 17 were female. So it's mostly a female event, I think. Um, but we could have a whole discussion about why that is. Yeah, for I, was, anybody who... I noticed the same exact thing, too. And I was wondering that while sitting in the speech contest, how it's like 95% female. Interesting thing to note. So... Um, yeah, a couple differences right off the bat that you had a very small number of kids too, yeah. uh, the smallest possible group. Tell me about practice. What was practice like? Well, um, that good, huh? Oh no! <laughs> Truth be told, I really, I honestly, really enjoyed practice. Um, most of all, because it was a time to actually get to know my students better. Because um, I may or may not have mentioned, but all of my students are pretty shy and reluctant to use English or to talk with me. Um, yeah. It just seems that's, to be that's... just my school, though. Like, I've talked to other ALTs in my, you know, in UD Hanjo, and usually their kids are actually pretty talkative, um, both boys and girls, and they're willing to... Um, there's always at least a few people that will speak English or, for example, you know, write in the ALT mailbox or whatever, which I know you have, your Josh box. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But and you know you know what it is, Brianna? I'm, I swear, like, I, you, you might be putting something out there. Maybe dress down a little bit. What do you wear? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I mean, I obviously, I mean, I have the students that don't want anything to do with me as well. I have those kids. And that's fine. They don't have to like me because I, I would hate if someone came to America and told me that I have to learn German now. Nothing against German people or the German language, but I, I had no interest. So that w wouldn't sit well with me. So I get it. I don't want to force anything on anybody. If you're not interested in English, please don't be a distraction in class. Let everybody else learn. That's fine. I don't I don't care about that part. But there are the kids who, you know, they, they do want to talk and engage. So I, I have those students as well. And again, it's mostly girls. And people tell me it's because I'm a boy. The, the, the common argument is that boys will have girls talk to them. Girls will have boys talk to them because they're at that age where they just, you know, they're, they they start being interested in, in that sort of stuff anyway. So <laughs> well, maybe that's why that happens. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, back at least to the topic that it was really nice. The point was, it was really nice getting to at least know two students in a more intimate setting, since I don't really get much opportunity to talk with the students in general. I basically have like lunchtime um, while we're eating lunch, and that's about it. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, no real interaction with them, just because there's no place to hang out. All the classrooms are upstairs. So anyway, the point was, it was really cool to get to know these students. Um, and um, it was, the translation was fun. <laughs> Actually, me and um, one of the JTEs worked together on that. Uh, and the student, the girl who did the speech, who wrote the speech and everything. I didn't done an initial translation, switching it to natural English. Um, yeah. Of course, like I love to write essays, so I used some pretty heavy language in there, but um, it was just an initial draft. And so me and the JTE showed it to the girl and we're like, 
So how does this look? Which parts um, can we make easier for you? And the girl looked at it, and she was just like, oh, no, that's the, the way it is is fine. And I'm like, um, I have a semicolon in this essay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what a semicolon <laughs> is. <laughs> um, that sort of thing. But uh, after a while, you know, we went on, and she started to memorize it, and we tweaked it a little bit here and there. But mostly it remained pretty much unchanged. But it was also, at the same time, pretty faithful to what she had originally written um, like the same images because you know at the end of the day it's her speech and um, so if and they do grade you on content I will tell everybody that now content is one of the biggest points when they are judging a speech contest there was a girl the girl who won she she actually had like almost flawless pronunciation. So I'm pretty sure as soon as she started talking, I was like, oh my God, this is it. She's the winner. Like she barely had an accent. But what I was more surprised at was she was able to pull off telling this story without seeing overly dramatic. And she also didn't use a ton of gestures, but the story didn't call for a ton of gestures. So it fit perfectly. See, this is the problem. Exactly. This is the thing that I think gets under my skin a little bit is that they they try to in, inject a bunch of this stuff into stories and situations that don't necessarily need them. One of the most frustrating things that happened to us um, two years ago was uh, some of the kids had, had chosen to read the story about Hiroshima and the atomic bomb. And it's very sad and depressing. And there's the mom and the, oh, most of the kids, when they said the mommy, mommy, they actually were like crying and screaming. And, and I was, and in my head, I didn't like that. I, I don't, I mean, I guess, you know, you either do or you don't, but I didn't, I didn't appreciate that in the reading. Um, I just wouldn't have done that reading at all to avoid having to make a decision about that. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's suitable for this uh, recitation. But uh, after that, you know, after that competition and they were, we were receiving judges comments again, one of the things they told us was you know, again, you know, the dramatic, you know, you, you know, you have to express the story. You have to tell people the story and things. And, and um, the, somebody mentioned you know you, you guys need to smile and and then i was thinking like you you were listening to that story right this is a story about people dying because of a bomb that was dropped on this country i don't you don't think it calls for a smile you don't have to smile while you read this one um and yeah it was i don't know i just i <laughs> the, the speech contest itself for me is is not the best part the best part is it I, not to sound cliched but it really is leading up to the speech contest that is that is everything worth keeping and then once you get there you just you know you tell your students to do your best i told my kids do your best we're not here uh it's not about winning i, I didn't say we're not here to win because that would have been really sad <laughs> i I, hey, just to let you guys know, we're not here to win. Um, no, I didn't say that to them. I told them that it, it doesn't matter if they win or not. What's important is that they showed up to this thing. They've been practicing so hard, and they're about to do something that most kids their age don't do. Most people in Japan don't do. So they should be very proud of themselves for getting up here and, and doing what they did. Um, and I, I told them that before, and I told them afterwards when we had to have you know the, the talk yeah. And um 
it was it, it was um it was sad of course you know i i i really felt like we had one girl that was really really going to place I thought she was going to win, but at the very least, I thought we were going to place and we were going to take home a trophy for the first time uh, since my run. Um, but it, it didn't happen, and um, yeah. I, I felt so bad because I, I I told her that she was so good and she is so good. Nico, you're amazing. If one day when you grow up and you speak perfect English, which you're really close to it already. Just keep working. If you hear this, you're, you were amazing then. And you're probably amazing now. Um, she, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was sad to kind of, to kind of scale it back after that, or it was difficult to do that. But, um, I, I think, yeah, the most important part is just getting there. And I mean, it sounds like from, from your story that that's where you had the most fun was, was practicing with them. Yeah. Well, uh, practice was, always a bit of a challenge, definitely. Um, Cause one student was, she, the the girl, she didn't do the gestures thing. And like I, I was trying to say that if you don't do the gestures, it means you have to have more skill with your voice and to kind of sound more natural to sort of make up for the lack of body language. But at any rate, um, she didn't do the gestures. She was looked very stiff, but she could pick up the inflections in, in my voice really easily. So that was a good point. While the other person had the opposite problem where he was really comfortable with speaking, especially to a crowd, but um, he had more trouble picking up on intonation and um, pronunciation. But um, his natural charisma at least carried him through. So <laughs> I can't complain about that. And, um, That's good. But for me, the greatest revelation, I guess, personal change that I had with the speech contest um, was, I guess it just really hit when I was waiting, we were waiting for the prefectual competition to start, and me and the, um, the boy, the baseball kid, um, he he and I and the JT were waiting in the lobby with everybody else to um, to go into the room and sit down and they hadn't quite organized everything yet and I was sitting there and like you know you would put in a month and a half of going to school or going after school every day staying until like six at night Sometimes later, sometimes I'd have to wait for them, and I'd be at school till like nine o'clock at night, and I had done this for like almost two months, and it was just like it became so routine, but it also takes so much out of you, mm-hmm. and you give it all your all, and then you you get to this point, and you know it's for me it's already kind of paid off, and for the um, the student it paid off that you know he made it to prefecturals, and we're sitting there in the lobby, and I. I just got this feeling like, oh my God, I really wish someone was here like my mom or something so I could just turn to them and be like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I really hope that he does well. And I realized like, oh my gosh, I don't have that more adult figure around. That adult figure is me right now. Yeah. It was just really weird to like reach for, It's I think the first time in my life I was emotionally reaching for somebody who wasn't there. I mean, I'm a pretty independent person, and sure, I've been living in Japan for two, well, 
starting my second year and I even lived in England by myself for a year at going studying abroad and sure you know I you always kind of miss your family but I never really felt myself emotionally like thinking like you know it's like having a missing limb or something or you know you're reaching for something and it's it's just not there and so yeah. it was me realizing like oh my god I'm the adult figure here how is that possible? I'm totally not an adult, you guys. I still don't feel totally like an adult. I feel like I'm just kind of, I have the money oh. and the time to do fun things now. <laughs> um, that's that's a long conversation that we'll have, yeah. Hey, I think adulthood is partially mentality or largely mentality, either way. I, and I, Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, but we go inside and, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, and my student ended up being, I think, like the second person to give his speech. And, you know, I'm sitting there listening to him talk. And even though he stumbled a couple of times, he knows the speech by heart, obviously, but his mouth got really dry, I think, because he was nervous. And he had to repeat some words a couple of times. But despite that, it's just like having this sense of pride. I mean... Obviously, I wasn't the one giving the speech. And, you know, sure, I've done things for, I've helped people with stuff. Like, I've helped people write essays, and they get A's on the essays or something. I'm like, yeah, I helped with that. But this time, it was just something totally different where I felt maybe, I I don't know what that was. But <laughs> um, I, I thought to myself, man, is this what a parent feels like when they see their kid kind of, like, go off on their own and, and are able to, you know, do things on their own, sort of like letting them leave the nest. And I just thought to myself, if this is what teaching is like, you know, I could just teach forever. And just seeing your your student perform up there after all that hard work and knowing that, you know, they tried their best. My student had practiced so much that he had dreams about me and my JTE grilling him about his English speech. And I find that really funny. Um, <laughs> it's just you kind of like I don't know you could just feel yourself shining but not to like outshine your student you just feel pride in your student not necessarily for your own work but for their hard work and it just feels so gratifying and I'm like wow it's I don't think I would have felt that same way if I hadn't felt myself in a more authoritative figure um and kind of owned that same sense of pride, you know? No, definitely. And just, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's just your whole kind of perspective when everything changes. I, I completely agree, Brianna. And I think that was, and I'm so glad you shared that with me, um, with us, everybody listening. That was... Um, I mean, it's definitely something that I've I've felt and I've talked about with not too many people, um, because it's kind of a, a strange thing I think to say. And I'm so glad you you had the courage to mention that there is definitely a, a feeling of uh, parenthood at at some level at, in this program and what our you know what our duties are and what they entail, especially being in Japan, a country where being a teacher is more and more appears to be like being a second or actually more of a primary parent 
uh, as far as what's going on recently. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that I've realized and something that I've experienced and I felt at many points throughout my time here. Um, I became so close to my students while we were practicing and uh, there, was a, there was a moment that I've written about uh, already on, on the blog, but uh, I'll mention it again here in case anybody didn't read that. Uh, I had been practicing with my kids for, like you, for a couple months, uh, some of them for a, a little bit longer. And the last two months particularly was very much staying late every single day. One of the girls uh, on a particular day had already practiced uh, at some point after school, uh, before I was scheduled to work with everybody. So when I was at the gym, she mentioned to me that she had already practiced. And so she was just going to be doing her club activities for that day. And I said, no problem. Understood. That's okay. So I was waiting on the stage for everybody else to come, the other three students to come. And she was doing her basketball routine and practicing it. And uh, there was a point at which it was uh, she had a little break when they were doing whatever they were doing. I wasn't really paying attention to that part. My mind was I was kind of thinking about all sorts of things. And uh, she came up to me and said that it was a little bit lonely when she practiced with just the JTE. And then I didn't even think ab about what she maybe was possibly saying or trying to say or was indeed saying uh, you know the first thing I thought in my head was and the first thing I said to her instantly was it was more fun when we worked all together wasn't it yeah and then she she just kind of bounced off of that and we we were talking and this was a girl who was so completely shy I know I said earlier that it, like a lot of the girls talked to me but she was one who was particularly shy, um, never really spoke up. The most brilliant girl, she's probably the, one of the smartest, if not really, really, really close to the top, uh, you know, academically. Um, just a, a sweet kid. She's really nice, really smart, and just super quiet. Very humble, very shy, very timid. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but in all the on all the best ways, in all the ways that you could want to have all those qualities, and I realized that I sort of had cracked that open without realizing it because we'd slowly got to a point where she was able, she was smiling and she was laughing, and I could I could make her laugh, and we could talk about things, and I could just we could bring something up and we could discuss it. And that same feeling that you had right there that you've just described was what I had when I thought about that moment later where I felt like I'd been doing something right. I felt like whatever, I don't, you know, probably nothing due to any hard work that I had actually been putting in. But for some reason, the fact that we had been working together had made some sort of connection there had been some bond that had formed between us and it was different than any other situation that I had been involved in so far as an ALT 
Yeah. And especially during the contest, that was just, that's, that's all I felt. And, and even after I've just, I felt so close to these kids and the, I'm so, so connected to them now because of, because of what we did and what we tried to do and, and what we accomplished. I think we, we accomplished something much better than winning and, you know, which is, which is really easy to say after you lose, it really does sound like a sour grape story. But what <laughs> I think what we accomplished is, is that connection. And um, I think that's, that, that was really valuable. And I think they're going to remember that maybe more than if they, they'd won the competition. I hope, I, I mean, it feels like it. I, I, I mean, I know the way that I interact with them and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with the way things worked out and I'm kind of happy with the, the way that we get along. And I, I think there's something, there really is something to that. You start to, to have a sort of, there is some sort of instinctual thing that rises from from somewhere inside you. You didn't realize that you cared about somebody that you had just met so much. Um, and it's very, very, very interesting. That definitely happens. I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's like... I. It's hard to describe it in a term, in a way that doesn't seem demeaning to me, but it's almost like you're your role as a, as a teacher is the sort of, or maybe even as a parent is kind of like fertilizer to help this child grow or like, you know, I kind of, I mean, you know what it is? That's not even putting yourself down, Brianna. That's, I mean, you, you like our existence now is to, to make them do better than we could ever have hoped that we had done. You know what I mean? Like once, once you take on the role of the experienced you know, the person that is then to pass down information or experience onto someone new, you, all you want is the best for them. And it, it's, that's that feeling that you get is, you know, what you get frustrated when they don't do well, it's because you want them to do well. When you get excited for them because they do something, it's because you, you were really invested into it. Yeah. And it, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the reason it's worth it and the reasons it's exciting and the reason I'm going to stay for as long as I can is because of these, these kids that I've met, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's exciting. And then when you add that, that relationship of being, you know, someone who is, who's an authority figure and you've got that much trust placed in you, um, it's, it's scary, but exciting at the same time, because you, you can, you can take that trust and go places with it. You can, you can encourage people to do things that, they otherwise wouldn't or they didn't think they could you know it's i mean everybody i think everybody remembers riding a bike for the first time right and, and, <laughs> and being or or maybe you know just just being in a situation when we were kids right when we were young and you had to trust somebody you had to take someone's word that everything was going to be okay you know whatever the situation was and um it's 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 exciting being on that side of the fence, you know, being the person that can tell other people that maybe don't know yet that everything was going to be all right, you know, that this is something worth doing. It may not make sense right now. It's yeah, it's scary, you know, it's all these things, but it is something worth doing. Trust me. And it's having someone put that much faith and trust and responsibility 
in your hands is uh, it's exciting and it's one of the most rewarding parts of everything that we're doing here. I mean, it is the most rewarding part. But uh, yeah, I think we covered a whole bunch of stuff, Brianna. And I'm so happy. I'm so glad that we were able to talk. We went real deep. We got into it. There were a lot of things we talked about. And I think we share a lot of similar feelings about things. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I don't know. What do you think? How do you... <laughs> You're just full of... Oh. Yeah, I am full of words. That's, that's that's what they say about me. Um, again, I'm I'm so excited that you were able to come on. We had a huge conversation. Thank you again, Brianna. Is there anything that you want to let people know about? Where do you have your stuff online, Brianna? Where can people read more about your stuff? Um, if it's about my personal things, it is should be something like foreign forays. Uh, on Tumblr. Foreign forays. Yeah. At Tumblr. We'll get links up in the descriptions for the shows, and I'll put some links up on my blog. We'll send you there. That way you could check out all Brianna's happenings and goings-on in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally got that right. Foreign forays at Tumblr.com. All right. Check that out if you want to know more about Brianna and see what life is like up in Akita. Brianna, we're definitely going to have you back again because I think there's so many things to talk about. We can get sidetracked a little easily, but we also get into some really good conversation. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> of course, if any of you guys want to come up to Akita, uh, definitely let me know, and I would love to show you around. I'm not, I'm actually one of the closest ALTs to the airport, and I'm only about 25 minutes away from the train station, so... Awesome. Invitation has been extended. Thanks again, Brianna. We'll see you again next time. All right. Thank you for having me. Happy Bye. Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, guys. <laughs> thank you again, Brianna, for that. And I'm so glad that you had such a good time with your friend, uh, with your students. With your friends. With your friends. <laughs> Student <laughs> I'm, friends. I'm so glad that you had a good time with your students and you, you had that amazing experience of feeling like, like I felt you know the um being in some sort of parental role being the person the guider the mentor and i think yeah that, that definitely happens and it was it's a cool feeling without a doubt i don't know i think uh i think are we are we gonna end it here we're we gonna wrap it up i think that's about it that's about it for this week i huh? got my angry out you got, <laughs> you got your angry out yeah oh boy so What's up next? We got you got Bunkasai and we got stuff Bunkasai next week. coming up next week. We'll talk about that. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna have more stuff going on. Make sure to check out the blog, theaeroplaneoverthesea.blogspot.com. We always have pictures. I've got show notes. I've got links for all the episodes to the podcast. You could subscribe on iTunes, and if you're not into the whole iTunes thing, make sure to check us out on SoundCloud. That's SoundCloud.com/slash Culture Cafe Podcast. Hyphens between all those words. Once again, it's at the blog, aeroplaneoverthesea.blogspot.com. Check it out. And make sure to check out Mitsuko's adventures at chichaimitsu.blogspot.com. She writes about Japan. She writes about funny. She writes about Kuebi. <laughs> I there's, do, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. A and Sailor, Sailor Moon. Moon. Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of fun stuff on there. So make sure to check out all that stuff. And until next time, have fun. And we'll see you guys. Bye-bye. This show is not sponsored by the JET program. The opinions expressed are those of their respective owners and do not reflect the views of the program as a whole.
looking around for her children. Oh. Babies. Set that part over. Babies. 